You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Bezuda, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? All things considered, I think doing pretty well. All right, good to hear. So we are still here in kind of the the real dead period. This is kind of where we get not a lot going on. There was some rookie camp last week. OTAs don't really start for a little bit. So we're in this between period where there was some football. There's going to be some football in a little bit, but nothing really crazy coming out. So we have just some time to play around so what we're going to do today is it's a little bit of a look back and a little bit of a look forward what we want to do today is look at some of the places the Giants could improve to be more efficient and we're mostly going to look at the offensive side of the ball and and just look at some places where the Giants can be more efficient and just game plan a little better in 2019. Now, this isn't going to be a podcast to talk about how bad the Giants were in 2018, because that's not totally the case. The Giants, for what they were last year, ended up being a somewhat efficient offense. They were you know, in the top half of Football Outsiders DVOA. A lot of that was because of big plays. I'm going to be writing about big plays that they created at some point, maybe next week, maybe the week after, at some point soon, and how that kind of brought the offense going. But as we know, the big plays are not going to be incredibly sustainable from year to year. So I think there's a couple just strategic edges that the Giants can work their way towards with the personnel they have right now to give them just a a little bit more of an edge going forward into 2019. Yeah, you know, all things considered, their offense wasn't terrible last year. It, It was the best offense just overall in the NFC East, despite the fact that they had the worst record in the NFC East. So I think that does tend to get lost a little bit. And they did do 
some things well. They just didn't do them particularly consistently, though that did start to change towards the end of the year. And for me in particular, over the summer with the offense, I'm going to be concentrating on just the last two games because I personally noticed a distinct change in their scheming and game planning in those games. Right, so what the Giants' offense was a lot in 2018 was, like we just said, a lot of the big plays, but not a lot of the down-to-down consistency. And over time, those big plays are going to help a lot. They are going to come at an opportune time, like a number of them did. But the play-to-play consistency that's not there is kind of what kept the offense back from you know being a consistent scoring offense than one that just had those flashes. And those flashes were great. Those flashes showed you maybe there's a little bit more to this offense that can be taken out. And that's kind of just what we're going to talk about today. Some of the things they can just change a little bit. Some strategic tendencies they can flip just a little to try to get that down-to-down consistency there a little more so the big plays will help even more and the ball can continue to be moved down the field and I think the first thing we're going to start with is the way the Giants handled first down last year so we know the Giants want to run the ball but last year they ended up being one of the most pass heavy offenses in the league which probably is going to surprise some people overall they had the fifth highest rate in the league of of passes but a part of that was because of how much they tried to run the ball so on first and ten in the first half of the game, so really before anything gets out of hand, before the score really starts to affect what plays are going to be called, the Giants were 47% pass on first and 10, which was the seventh lowest rate in the league. So they were one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league on first and 10 in those situations. What we know right now is that passing the ball is more efficient on first down. So if you can flip that, do that a little more on first down, that'll gain more yards on average, that'll set you up for easier second downs, that'll set you up for easier third downs where running is then more efficient. And that'll set up the offense a little better. I I wrote real early in the 2018 season about how the Giants' lack of gaining yards on first down was making them, they were one of the most pass-heavy offenses on third down because of how few yards they picked up on first and second down. And a lot of that was because of their commitment to the run in that situation. Yeah, and it, it's really just kind of a simple logic question. If you have a running back who is really consistently good, Saquon Barkley averaged five yards a carry last year, but that's also factoring in all of his big plays. But you have to be a really bad quarterback to average five yards per attempt. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe Eli averaged somewhere between six and seven yards per attempt and through the air last year you might you might have it in front of you no he was he was better than that he was about league average at, at 7.5 okay so yeah if you're on first down you're trying to get a drive going you have a choice between handing the ball off and hopefully picking up five yards or you could throw the ball and pick up seven and a half at which point you're faced with either a second and two or a second and three to me that's just simple math and logic you you want to take the 
shorter down in distance. Yeah, and that's one of the things that when you start to really study the efficiencies of passing versus running, the first and 10 is really one of the biggest places where it stands out. Passing is so much more efficient on first down. And really, when you ask people why they want to run on first down, it's to gain yards and set up a manageable third down. That shouldn't be what you're trying to achieve. You should be trying to achieve first downs, and the easiest way to do that is to pass. And if you're getting more gains, then you might end up with that shorter third down, and that's where running is more efficient. So I would love to see the Giants kind of flip their philosophy, pass more on first down, run more on third down, and that's going to be the start. Just even thinking, putting that mindset is going to be a more efficient use of the players they have and a more efficient way to gain the yards that they want to gain yeah and you know i think that kind of flows into the next area we're going to talk about and that's just trying to exploit the defense the giants really didn't care what the defense was doing when they ran the ball saquon barkley ran against a seven or more man front on three quarters of his carries that is almost criminal especially when you consider that on the the remaining quarter of his carries when he faced a light box he averaged almost seven yards a carry as opposed to less than five when running against seven or more men in the box Right, and this is something I wrote about this week on Big Review, because one thing we know is the Giants do want to run the ball. So as much as we have in the past kind of just screamed about how the Giants should just pass more and be a pass-first offense, we know that's not a reality. So what I wrote this week at Big Review is how the Giants can just be a more efficient run game and just some ways they can exploit some edges there. And one of them is manipulating the box count for the defense. What we know right now through multiple studies is that the offense can control the defensive box count. You can control the defensive personnel by your offensive personnel. So if you have multiple tight ends on the field, the defense is likely to stay in base and have more linebackers on the field. If you are in a very tight formation with those multiple tight ends, then the box is likely to be stacked. So last year, the Giants had the fewest percentage of their rushing attempts of boxes with seven defenders or fewer. And that is something they can control. It's not because of the the frequency of the run, because Seattle, who was the league's most run-heavy team, they had the fifth highest rate of runs against boxes of seven or fewer. Uh, It's not about teams fearing Saquon Barkley because the Rams were fourth in that category. The Chiefs were sixth. The Cowboys were 12th. The Saints were 14th. When you look at other guys like the Browns were just ahead of the Giants as much as you might like Nick Chubb. And so he's not a super scary running back that teams are going to be really game planning against. They're not saying we need to stack the box against Nick Chubb. So this This is something the offense can control by personnel and by formation, and it's something either the Giants were unaware of last year or just didn't really care about, and so many of their runs were against stacked boxes of eight or more, and we know that you can 
guess. Uh, this is from Josh Hermsmeyer, who is an NFL writer for 538. He did a study last offseason that you can predict about 84% of a running back's yards per carry just by knowing the box count he ran against. So when that's something the offense can control, that's something the Giants should take a look at. The Rams, I have an example in here. The way they use their personnel and their formations opens up the field for Todd Gurley, and he barely ever ran against an eight-man box. And when you think of the Rams and the run game, they use that quite a bit. And for as good as it was, even when C.J. Anderson was in, and this goes back to even 2017 in Sean McVay's first season, the Rams don't run against stacked boxes because they know that is not to their advantage. But the Giants consistently ran against stacked boxes, and you can look at some of Saquon Barkley's highlight runs, and some of them are against these stacked boxes because as soon as he gets past that second level, he's gone. But you shouldn't want to have that be the option because there were so many negative runs in there too. If you can get more of this consistency with more space, the idea should be getting Saquon Barkley into space, not making Saquon Barkley make defenders miss, which is a lot of what the Giants game plan looked like last year. Yeah, and unfortunately that just the game plan of superstar skill position player and a prayer was all too common basically over the last five years for the first four it was odell in a prayer which yes that did work out yeah that got them to the playoffs in 2016 but it isn't really a consistent predictable reliable game plan you really want to be putting these guys in position to just completely maximize their talents and their ability to create explosive plays and they're not going to do that if they have to make five defenders miss before they can even gain a positive yard you mentioned the rams and todd Gurley. Gurley is he has been in the mvp conversation the last two years and he still faced a light front a, a light tackle box on almost 45 percent of his carries last year he only faced a heavy box on less than 15%. So it's not the fear of the running back, but as you say, the offensive scheme that is controlling it. You know, the first 12 weeks of the season last year, the Rams ran 11 personnel, which is three receivers, one tight end, one running back on 99% of their plays. I, we thought the Giants were doing a lot, doing it a lot under Ben McAdoo in 2016 when he ran 11 on something like 90%. The Rams did it way more, but it worked because they used their personnel to manipulate the defense to create those opportunities for Todd Gurley and then ran the ball. Yeah, and like you said, it, it's something the offense can control, and it's something that what I think really concerns me is how that shifted in the the second half and especially in the final four games of the season. Without Odell Beckham, the Giants ran 42.3% of their rushing attempts were into boxes of eight or more. That's not good. That's something that just shouldn't have to be done. Again, when the offense can control that, you either don't know about it, which is bad, or you don't care about it, which is 
Worse. Sure which one's worse. Yeah. So it, this is something just you can run out of 11 personnel. You can still have two tight ends on the field. And the way you use the splits of where the tight ends are lined up can manipulate that box. And that just gives you a, a better advantage. You want more time before Saquon Barkley has to make that first defender miss. And he's likely going to make that first defender miss. So you would rather that be five yards past the line of scrimmage than at the line of scrimmage or sometimes behind it like it was in 2018. Yeah, but there's also the flip side to that, where if the Giants by you know running either 12 with two tight end personnel or 21 with two backs, which... Will probably would probably be a fullback. They're probably not going to run a two running back set, despite how much we would like to see it. If they're inviting the defense to stack the box, then throw over the defense's head, run a play action. Which, if the defense is expecting a run and you show them run, and the offensive line does a good job of blocking aggressively, like they would be running the ball. The defense will bite on that. They have to. That is just baked into the DNA of an NFL defense, or really any defense. You honor your run fits. So then that just completely opens up the passing game. It's basically free yardage. Yeah, part of that is you know running some more play action, which is something we've talked about very often. Uh, and then one thing is this was uh, on our list. We might as well just get to it now. Is uh, passing from heavier formations and passing more like from twelve personnel. So like we said, the the Giants you know, when they were running, they were using the heavy personnel to run and inviting heavy boxes. They were still in 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one running back, and one tight end. They still use that 57% of the time, which is much lower than they have in recent years. But when they were in that personnel, they still passed 73% of the time from that personnel package, and they only ran 27% of the time. So like we said, you want to use 11 personnel to spread the defense out and run. The Giants didn't do that. They were more than 70-30 pass in that personnel. And then when they went to like 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, which they used 24% of the time, which was one of the higher rates in the league. They were 58% run and 42% pass. You want those to be either closer to 50-50 or switch. You don't want to give a tell just by the personnel you're running out. So one of the things with that 58% run is that's now inviting the box and the 42% pass if you can pass out of 12 personnel, that's almost like running play action, which we know is good and benefits the offense. That's almost like running play action because the defense, because of the personnel package already, already thinks run. So they're going to be using that. So I just, I have some numbers of the differences between the passing in 11 and 12 personnel last year. Uh, and this is all per sports info solutions. And this is league wide. Last year, out of 11 personnel, teams average 7.16 yards per attempt, 0.03 expected points added per attempt, and had a 49.5% positive play rate, which is the percentage of plays that have positive expected points added. That was out of 11 personnel. Out of 12 personnel, they averaged 
8.08 yards per attempt, 0.15 EPA per attempt, and a positive play rate of 54%. So you're automatically improving your offense just by running out of 12 personnel. Again, because if you have, you know, someone like, say, Evan Ingram, even Brett Ellison, when you use them at the same time, if you have two good receiving tight ends, you still have those receiving options. And the defense is probably going to be in base, probably with a linebacker who can't cover one of those tight ends very well. And that gives you the advantage. We said that helps you because they're playing the base. They're already expecting the run. Now add play action to 12 personnel. And teams last year averaged point. 1.9 yards per attempt, still 0.15 EPA per attempt. So when you when you add play action, you're you're adding a yard just by being in 12 personnel. You're adding another yard per attempt by running play action out of 12 personnel. So it, as a team that's probably going to be running a lot of two tight end sets, you want that run pass split to be more even, and that's going to give you an advantage in the passing game. Yeah, I have been a fan of the 12 personnel package for a long time now. In fact, I I think I wrote about it in depth the first time way back in 2017 after the Giants added Red Ellison and Evan Ingram. And I really love the package with Evan Ingram because you can approximate an 11 personnel package with Evan Ingram moving him around to the slot or even outside or even moving Barkley out and approximating a four wide receiver set and it is just so much more efficient because of the height weight speed mismatch you're going to get on either a defensive back or a linebacker it's one of the things that comes up all the time especially with a player like evan ingram linebackers are not fast enough to cover him and defensive backs are generally not big enough to cover him and yet this is something I would definitely change about the Giants offense. They only threw to him on crossing routes for the most part. I think more than half of his yardage came after the catch, which is generally indicative of shallow routes making up most of your targets. And while he is very good after the catch, with his athleticism, he would just be that much more effective being targeted down the field, going down the seam, or even just running slants as opposed to crossing routes. Yeah, so let's get to that, because that is on our list too, and that's just targeting Evan Ingram down the field more often, which is something over Evan Ingram's two years right now uh, has not been the case. In his rookie year, he was almost exclusively uh, short crossing routes and just barely running in front of the line of scrimmage. And he was one of the least efficient tight ends in the league by Football Outsiders DVOA. Just because of that, he was not getting any space and was getting the ball very close to the line of scrimmage and didn't really have the ability to do anything after. He was much better after the catch of this year, but still targeted very close to the line of scrimmage. So next-gen stats from the NFL tracks how far an uh, average depth of target is. They call it intended air yards per target. So among the receivers with at least 43 targets last year, and that's who they consider qualified, they have a formula for that. Among 114 players with those 43 targets, Ingram was 111th 
in intended air yards at 4.9. So he was, on average, fewer than five yards past the line of scrimmage. That is not something you want someone like Evan Ingram to have, like like Barkley with his ability to break tackles, just because Ingram can run after the catch doesn't mean he should exclusively be running after the catch. You wrote a post this week. It's a summer school post that is going to break down a couple plays. One of the first play you broke down was 27 yard gain to Evan Ingram. That was on like a, a variation of the Y cross, which got him open down the field a little bit that I've when I've been looking up the the big play piece there was a 50 I think three yard pass against Tampa Bay where Ingram was running down the seam one of the few times we saw him do that so Ingram has that ability to win in both areas of the field so just because he's a very good run after the catch player does not mean he shouldn't be targeted more down the field of which is where you know you get when you look at you know the EPA value of passes near the line of scrimmage or down the field the the higher expected points is down the field so when you have a receiver who can win down in that area especially someone as big and as fast as Evan Ingram they should be using that more yes and I would also add that he really really should be used more in the red zone he was one of the best red zone weapons in the league his rookie season. Basically, the only time he wasn't running a short crossing route was when he was running that stick nod route that just was basically uncoverable inside of the 15, 20-yard line. And this year, he only got five targets in the red zone, which was only 15% of the Giants' going by playerprofiler.com, 15% of the Giants' target share in the red zone. So if you've got a weapon like that, use it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are just way more efficient ways that Ingram can be used. And I think there was some hope for that before the season last year. And that kind of crumbled into the very short, quick pass dump-off offense that it became. So hopefully maybe the realization of what was expected last season is going to continue and actually manifest itself this season. And when we talk about that and who should be targeted down the field a little more, and we can get to our last thing. And it's something we talked about so many times during the season. And we don't even need to target him down the field, just past the line of scrimmage. And that's how they use Saquon Barkley in the passing game. So many of his passes were just behind the line of scrimmage, and that is such a waste of what Saquon Barkley can do. So I looked at it, 47% of his targets and 52.7% of his receptions happened behind the line of scrimmage in 2018. And that is absolutely insane. That is, one, putting him at a disadvantage for the gaining yards, which should be the point. It usually put a defender either that he had to break a tackle behind the line of scrimmage or very near the line of scrimmage, which is asking a lot of him. And it's just, it's a detriment to the offense to be starting behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then when you look at other similar backs to Barkley, Alvin Kamara only had 31.4% of his targets and 38.2% of his receptions behind the line of scrimmage last year. Christian McCaffrey only had 37.1% of his targets and 42.1% of his receptions behind the line of scrimmage. And those are the two 
who kind of profile in a similar way to win in the areas that Barkley does. Those guys were getting targeted in front of the line of scrimmage way more often than Barkley was. They were gaining more yards, therefore were more efficient, and they were more helpful to the offense. So, and even when it wasn't like the panic checkdowns, there were still a lot of throws to Barkley behind the line of scrimmage. And I think the Giants just really need to do a better job of figuring out how to get Barkley the ball in space in front of the line of scrimmage, because that's just going to be the best scenario for everyone involved. Yeah, I, I think that first Cowboys game last year exemplified how they were used him and how they used him really way too often. He was targeted 16 times. He had 14 receptions and 80 yards. At the time, we both kind of marveled, how do you do this? How do you catch the ball 14 times and only get 80 yards out of it? His longest catch that game was 18 yards. Well, when you're catching the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage, that's how it happens. Yeah, and that's just something we saw so often. And that is one thing I think we can all agree whether you uh, like the direction the offense was going, you agree with some of the moves. If Barkley is still getting thrown at behind the line of scrimmage in 2019, it is going to be hard for the offense to consistently move the ball. And just all of these things we're talking about right now, it's it's not things we're you know frustrated with or saying the Giants are bad at. These are all just suggestions that the Giants should look at to take to bring that efficiency up a little more because the way the offense is structured now, they're going to need to get all of those just little the little edges that they can to to keep the offense going. And just doing maybe like one or two of these things uh, could bring the down-to-down consistency a little higher for the offense, and, and that's going to help out. So, and this these should be things that NFL teams are doing, especially around this area, self-scouting, trying to figure out what could be improved upon. And, you know, we, these are just five pretty easy things to fix for the Giants heading into 2019. Yeah, and, you know, especially the receiving part of it Barkley was number two among running backs and receptions all you have to do is change a few of those little dump off routes to an angle route which around the offensive defensive lines and just behind the linebackers it's a quick easy route the Giants do have it in their offense I believe Wayne Gallman got a touchdown off of one last year that might have been in the preseason but still and then there's also the wheel route which Barkley runs extremely well and fits his athletic ability like a glove that is basically a game-breaking play when he runs it so just those two little changes could really take the shackles off of him and just let him explode in the open field and that should be everyone's goal. Get Saquon Barkley yes. into more open space. Allow him to do more of what Saquon Barkley does. And make doing that be easier on him. Uh, that, that should be everyone's goal. And this is uh, the easiest way to do it. And that When we talk about the running game, uh, to 
lighten the box and allow him more space to run, get him the ball in front of the line of scrimmage, allow him more space to run. That should be the goal. Right now, whether you agree with how this roster has been built or not, this Saquon Barkley is going to be the biggest piece of this offense and making sure he is in the best possible situation to succeed should be everyone's main concern for what this offense is going to look like at least in 2019 and and probably well beyond that. Yeah, that pretty much covers it, I think. Yeah, so I mean, we're going to continue. I think as the offseason continues and there's not a lot of actual football going on, uh, we're going to try to bring some pieces like this, kind of talk a little more on-field strategy, uh, some tendencies, and, and things like that throughout this summer. Uh, so so we can change it up a little bit and we're not just going to give you, you know, the, the same just things about news that's not really happening. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll try to change it up and, and bring some more exciting things as uh, we get through the, the months of nothing exciting really happening. Unless you want to get real excited for OTAs uh, at some point, then go for it. Um, More power to you. So on that note, we're going to end this episode here. You can rate and view if you have not. That helps us out greatly. Uh, You can follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. You can find Big Blue View on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.